You're raised as an athlete to fight back. So why all of a sudden, when you retire, do you stop the good fight? This is Finding Center with Nick Hardwick. Hey guys, as always, thank you for the time that you've given me today. It is so greatly appreciated. Joining us today on the Finding Center podcast, it's going to be Keith Elias. Keith Elias is a former National Football League player for the New York Giants and the Indianapolis Colts, as well as a graduate of Princeton University, where he held and he still holds numerous school, Ivy League conference, and national records. He has traveled the world as a motivational speaker. He has spoken in schools in Australia, churches in Thailand, and to the United States Armed Forces, both domestically and in Iraq. Keith speaks to corporations about leadership development and character and to youth in schools and churches about the power of their choices. He has been increasingly drawn to men's groups and he's got a particular desire to speak to men about authentic masculinity. He's a transition coach for the NFL Player Engagement Program where he serves as a director. And so Keith was in town for an event that he put together for the NFL called The Bridge to Success, which focuses on helping former players transition out of the league and for a lot of the guys, a game that they have known and loved since they were seven, maybe eight years old. Keith offers some sage advice in here for all of us. Whether you played football or you didn't, it doesn't matter. You're going to hear the 10 biggest challenges in transition, and these, whether you played or not, I believe, On a different timeline, these challenges come in every line of work and for most individuals at one point or another in our lives. We get real with our own stories, our struggles, and we share how we made it through the transition. We talk about depression, identity, ego, finances, relationships, and what is ultimately a massive learning curve that goes into finding our versions of happiness at the end of a pretty intense period in our lives. I challenge you when Keith is talking about NFL players, see how it relates in your life in one way or another, because I bet it does. Football is a language that football players speak when we get together. We just can't help it. But through your lens, you're going to find some really good wisdom on self-love, spirituality, marriages, and even child rearing. These words, they are universal. Listen for the moment, or should I say moments, that Keith's wisdom blows me away. You're going to hear it. I'll talk about them and Nick's nuggets along with my other biggest takeaways after the conversation with Keith. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this episode. Here we go. Joining us now on the Finding Center podcast, it's Keith Elias. Keith, thank you so much for the time. How the hell are you? Oh, man, it's great. It is great to be out in San Diego, and it's even better to be on your podcast. Buddy. And this is really interesting because we are in the exact suite here in San Diego that my wife and I used for our wedding weekend. It's unbelievable. It's like bringing back some great memories. That's great. I'm good. Um, it's uh, it's ap- apropos that you should be back. Then. No kidding. Yeah. All right. So you're a transition coach for the NFL Player Engagement Program. You serve as a director for them. So to be hired by the NFL to do this, you've got to be considered one of the world knowledge leaders in career transition. Fair mm-hmm. to say? Yeah, I would say with uh, the mileage that we've, we've hold, I would say that, uh, yeah, I'm 
Fair to say I'm an expert in transition. That's right. So we're in San Diego, like we said, at an event that you helped design to help players transition smoothly out of the NFL. It's called the Bridge to Success. Tell us about the program. How did it all come together? Well, you know, at first, player engagement always had some sort of transition program. I got involved with player engagement uh, around seven years ago, first as a transition coach. So was hired by Troy Vincent to kind of lock arms with guys when they were leaving. We had we went through a year of training, like specifically to be geared towards relationships, transition, mental health, and even the assist protocol, the applied suicide intervention skills training. So the transition coaches are really equipped to lock arms with guys, not just in their purpose and their identity, but also their relationships and their careers and their post NFL experience life. So that's where we started. And the NFL had a program, but it was called career transition or transition assistance. It just didn't really have the right vibe. And so, like, no guy wants to talk about transition. No guy wants to talk about transition assistance. And we certainly don't want to talk about career transition. And so we had to kind of deconstruct Just that word itself. Right. Transition. Nobody likes it. No. (laughs) Right? Because that means they're putting down what they loved and running into something most likely for a lot of us inferior. But here's the thing. It's because we fear change. We all, we we crave schedule. Even though, even the folks of us who don't like to be scheduled, we create, we find, oh, I have my coffee at 7 a.m. Or we, we crave schedule. And so any kind of change creates stress. Yes. And we don't like that. And so, um, but we have to embrace the fact that from change comes growth and from growth really comes life. Right. Yes. Like, because a pool that doesn't flow becomes stagnant. And, and so we have to completely change the way we look at transition, not just our players, but society as a large. Now, with our players, it's a big transition. Oh, it's massive. Massive. How, how similar would you say retiring or being forced out of the NFL is to being transitioned out of, for lack of a better term, kind of the civilian workforce? Is, are there similarities? I think there's a big difference if you're talking about somebody transitioning in their 50s and 60s because we, they, we know that's coming. And now in the NFL, I know we're supposed to know it's coming. Yes. Right? Like it's, it's like we say it's not for long. But that's the joke in house, right, right? But you also assume it's not going to be you, not me. That, that your career is going right. to last forever. I mean, I can't tell you how many guys that both I'm sure you and I played with, that, and I know I was one of them too. That thought for the longest time at the beginning of my career, especially, I thought I was immortal. Oh, no! I, mean, I thought this was going to yeah. go on forever, and then I have my first major injury, and I'm yeah. like, oh, light bulb! This thing's yeah. going to end. That's right. Yeah. So we actually, one of the guys that I work with um, in developing the Bridge of Success, Dwight Hollier, he now works at, uh, at uh, North Carolina, um, but he, he played nine years as a linebacker in the NFL and left depressed because his goal was 10. And that is, <laughs> but that's us, that right? Hilarious? That's all of us. Like We are so high-functioning, so um, goal-driven, purpose-driven, that 90% of us leave the game with unfinished business. And, I mean, let's think about how many guys in their last game won the Super Bowl 
and walked off into the Hall of Fame. Oh, isn't that sweet? Wouldn't you want to be John think, Elway or Peyton Manning? I mean, I think I mean, so. Like, there's Peyton. For just like there's two like guys Ray ever. Lewis. Totally. Like, right? And so that's what I mean. So for all the rest of us, uh-huh. <laughs> right, like the, there's unfinished business. And so we had to design a program that did a couple of things. That one didn't pretend that this wasn't painful. We had to jump in the foxhole, right? We had to get into the down and dirty, acknowledge it. It's real. And then, but then also at some point in that journey, flip the script and then talk about how this process itself, what you're going to learn, the treasure that's mined in the dark is going to catapult you into the next experience. And so we have to take this thing that looks bad and 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 make it this wonderful. It, it really is, not to be cheesy, but it's the butterfly out of the cocoon deal. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. And when I said earlier, when you're transitioning <clears throat> from the NFL to something inferior, most likely, you think that right. until you kind of come out on the other side and you're like, oh my God, life is wonderful over here. Life can but, be wonderful. But you've got to get through that portal where it is really difficult. So if you could classify some commonalities and areas that guys struggle with, what mm-hmm. would they be? So we, we actually have narrowed down the 10, 10 biggest challenges in, in transition. And it's, uh, it's, it's clinically based by the work of uh, Dr. Ken Rutgers, who played 12 years for the Packers, but then also he's you know, got his doctorate in it. And so the, the, maybe you he's don't He's got hit, his doctorate in transitioning. In, well, in, in sports transition, okay, right? Wow. Like, so, so like um, you may not hit all of these, right? But like somewhere along the line, there, like so, there's obviously depression, right? Yes. Isolation, um, relationships, uh, money, you know, finances. There's anger. There's, you know, denial. There are all these different things, um, and and for us, there's addiction. And one of the things that we deal with a lot, we have to really be crafty when we talk to players. Is so you just left a job where odds are you're not going to walk into anything that's going to make that much money for a long, long time, yeah. if ever. Not, so let's be real about that. Not right? most things that are legal. That's right. Correct. So, yeah. so you're just going to take a hit in the finances. So your identity, you've always been a football player, and now you're not. Mm-hmm. And so who are you? So you're, you're hitting with identity. Purpose. Well, my purpose is to win games and be a teammate. Now it's not. Oh, and that girl that was hanging out with you for the last five years, she may not actually like you, right? So you're dealing with all of these things, relationships, purpose, identity, finances, and you leave and you also, what we, what we have to consider is you also leave the physical activity that creates adrenaline. And so now... It promotes some good hormones right. in your body. And so you're now, you're not getting that adrenaline. You're not getting that, that endorphin kick. And so what does that feel like? It feels like depression. Yes. And it's, it could be physical. Like it is physical. It doesn't even oh. have to be mental. Like you're going to go through a physical depression because you're just not doing what you used to do. Oh, 100%. Right. I mean, I thought I had my ducks in a row. I was employed before I retired. I even mm-hmm. announced what my next job was going to be at my right. retirement press conference. And luckily, I was a guy who had a retirement press conference, right? right? I, I lived within my means. I didn't live more than what my investments could afford. So I didn't have to go back to work. Right. We lived in a modest home. We drove modest cars. Right. Oh, my God. You're the poster child oh. for doing it all right. And still. Oh, still. Right. Still, I thought – 
I've got this thing beat. And two months into this sucker, I was working at the radio station being yeah. a DJ on an FM channel as a co-host in the afternoons, three hours a day. And it was super easy. It was like, show up and just rap with my buddy who was super cool. Yeah. I'm telling you, Saturday before I was about to go back on a Monday, probably two months into this gig, I just broke down. And I, I called my boss. I called the co-host. And I said, I can't. I'm not making it back in. I can't. And I went back in and I broke down to my wife. And I said, I don't. I don't know what the hell's going on. I was just a flubbering mess. It's like, <laughs> you don't want to be with me. I understand. My life's a mess. I'm a disaster. Give me a good a good chunk of money. You and the boys can take the rest. You can move back home with your family, and I'll go down to Nicaragua and just live in a tent. Yeah, because I mean, that was my – that was the reality, though, and I thought I had it all together. I mean, it, and then you realize, and she, thankfully I had her who actually right. loved me, and she's like – come on, we're going to get you help. You're going to be fine. You take as long as you need off from whatever work you think you want to do or don't work. Again, I don't care what you do. So she let me know that I was important. Did you struggle? Oh, I struggled. The the good news for me was that financially I I was panicked. Um, not, Not because I didn't have money, but because I knew at some point I was going to have to do something other than rely on what I made in the NFL. And so... That was a great motivator for me to get off the couch, but so I felt the the hit, if you will, in other areas the the identity piece. The in fact, I, when I left the game, I was successful uh, in a second career and was making good money. But I wanted and I wanted people to think that the money that I was making now had come from the NFL. I was so tied, no kidding, to this NFL identity. That if when I bought that new car, I wanted people to think not not that I was successful now, right? But that this came from NFL money because somehow that was better because there was a gleam to oh, wow. it. Man, and it's what I mean. It so it's so one of the things we have to do when we built this program was allow guys the chance to download. I think too many times when we get in the space, we try to jump in to help, and we say. I'm going to get you an interview here. I'm going to help you with your resume there. Hey, let's talk about what's going on with your life. But the first step is to listen, to create an atmosphere where a guy can download and tell you his story. Because until people get this junk out, then you're just giving them, you're putting tools on a bad foundation. You got to let them deconstruct. You have to let them vent. You have to hear the story about how the coach screwed them. Because that's right. You have to sure, hear. or the organization, <laughs> right. or the official, or whatever <laughs> right. it was, yeah, or the league. Yes. You know, like I mean, I talk to guys all the time. Well, you work for the the enemy, right? And like the enemy, <laughs> you know, the NFL. What well, the NFL didn't never employed you, right? It's like you were you played for the Browns and you were cut by the Browns, that's but right. you hate the NFL. <laughs> um, but but I get it because I, I I was there in terms of it's. It's that, you know, it is. I, the, the best analogy I can give people is that playing in the NFL is like Oz. Oh, God, yeah. Right? It's like you got a diverse group of people that have a common mission, and it's colorful, and it's magical, and it's larger than life. And when it's over, it's like going back to Kansas in the beginning of that movie. <laughs> right? It's black and white. It's tornadoes. You feel like you're alone. You're isolated. And that whole group that is still going on doing things, you only get to peek in their world now on a Sunday. And so for me, I don't think I watch an NFL game 
for years. No kidding. When I left. You think that's common? It is. Yeah. I know it is. Because guys have told me like, they can't even watch. I, I know plenty of players who can't watch. Or right. they kind of watch, but from a distance. Right. Yeah. So I, when I got out, I immediately got into field reporting and color analysis. And right. so I kind of tore that Band-Aid off right, right. away because I had to. Yep. But I got to tell you, like, I, I didn't enjoy watching game film at all. That, to me, was really cumbersome. And mm-hmm. sitting and watching somebody else do the job, it's like, I don't know about this. So a couple of times you've mentioned identity, and I feel like this was a really important facet in all of mine because I wanted to be, and I thought I was this and doing a good job because I was a player rep for the union, and I kind of – had been warned about all of it. Right. And so I knew the transition was going to be hard. So while I was playing, of course, I wanted to be Nick Hardwick who played football, not Nick Hardwick the football player. And then lo and behold, it's like when that depression hit me, I'm like, oh, crap, it hit me. I'm Nick Hardwick the football player. Yeah. Like I got how much – how much is it about unwrapping the old identity and then – finding something new to wrap yourself in i mean that that is that is it is that the essence of it all that's right because like i said with the bridge so the first step is is allowing guys to unwrap it Mm -hmm. and then the next step is on that saturday so friday night we call it you know celebrating the past because a lot of people have never they've never done that oh by the way not for nothing you did play in the nfl that's it right and since the beginning of the the whole thing there's been seventeen thousand guys since in a hundred years right so you you did something you're you're a freaking jedi right like you are the chosen one right even if you just came for a cup of coffee man really special yeah you're that's like i said man you're a jedi right so like you're different you're the chosen one and, and we have to celebrate that but we have to celebrate reconciling that experience into the rest of your life. So after Friday night, on Saturday, we begin to move into this idea of digging deep, assessing the present, right? Where are you in your relationship to yourself, your significant other, your community? We have to talk about identity. You have to recognize that this exists. Like I told you, like, I, I mean, I've got my story when I, rec- when I realized that, man, I have high athletic identity. And I think we are clinically the this, this, this sport with the second highest athletic identity um, behind. I was going to say, what's number one? Well, can, can you take a guess? What would you think it is? I'm thinking basketball. A lot of people say that, but it, it, it's not. No? No. It's, uh, it, this sport is typically more famous. It's, it's a co-ed sport, but it's typically more famous for the uh, female participants. Soccer? Nope, and I'll tell you, and this is the last, because usually the pinnacle of their sport occurs in the teenage years. And so there's a whole... Gymnastics. Yeah. No kidding. So, so you kind of get that young star issue that's wrapped up in that, too. Oh, let me so, just think, like, you know, the pinnacle of your sport, like the Olympics. a young movie star. You're under 20 years old, right? Like there's, and so there's, there's, I mean, you're talking about your identity-forming years. So... But beyond that, That's guys, we're, we're number two. <laughs> so, like, it is it is great to be an NFL player, but we have to unwrap that and say the things that made us great in this one chosen field of endeavor. How do we how do we then repurpose them to help us be great somewhere else? And let's dream even bigger, but in a different way, and be realistic about that. I haven't done anything since kickoff returns that has ever matched the adrenaline of when that ball is kicked. Never. And I'm, and I'm the guy. And I'm like, oh, it's coming to me. It's well, coming if to you're, me. And if you're and on special teams, 
And I know being the center, yeah. I was an adrenaline junkie. I yeah. loved it. I loved that dopamine release. I loved standing on the sideline and looking across at Vince yeah. Wilf working going, who's going to block that dude for three hours? I guess that's <laughs> right. me. And I, I was terrified, and I'm sure you were, on all the special teams, like yeah. looking over there going, oh, my God, this this may hurt. Yeah. But this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And you never get that rush. No. But where do you get that in life? I mean, so – when I was done playing, I became a motivational speaker for a bit, and I'm going to speak at the event a couple of times. And, and you get that nervousness before you go yes. on or that anxiety, and it's different. Oh, yes. It is different. There's no fear. Right. Well, well there, there, is, there is it's, fear, it's but different. I don't think I'm going to get my head batted right. off my shoulders. And that's the, the, big, the best part about life after is there's no pain. That's, that's <laughs> so true. there's always positives, right? That so, is true. Yeah. So we we celebrate the past, we assess the present, and then we turn and we begin to equip the future. Now we we try to do that here. We you can't do it in four days. So our program, this is the launch. And so we have our transition coaches that they'll take these breakout groups and then they have coaching with them once a month for the next six months and beyond. And so this is the beginning of the transition piece. Good. This yeah. is just a really intense shot. Think about all these things, and then we're going to work on these as we know that you're – so the guys that are coming, what what kind of ages are we talking about? What generations are we talking about? So mostly what we, we try to do with uh, this particular program, it's not necessarily age, but it's like how many years have you been out. Okay. Right? So, I mean, some, so somebody may have played 10 years, but they're out – two years and a guy may play two years and he's out five years, but it's, it's that like, because the transition piece has to happen between how many years that you've gone out. But the reality is there are guys in their fifties and sixties that have never transitioned. And so we, the, some of the career piece on this may not be what they need. Might not be pertinent to that. Right. But the, the Friday and Saturday pieces are, and so we have some older guys that come for those pieces as no, well. No, you find 50 and 60-year-olds who still haven't reconciled the past. Without question. No kidding. I'm, I'm, I've got one right now that's like he is – they're desperate to kind of – these programs never existed before. Yes, true. So, like, even when I, when I left the league, like, it go was – go deal with yourself. Right, because people would say, look, IBM doesn't have a transition program. When you're done working for IBM, you're done. And so it was the same thing. When I was done with the NFL, I was done. But it's different. It's a different beast because you're talking about when you're done with IBM, you're 65, right? When you're done with the NFL, you're 25. You're getting close you're to 30. being done working anyway. Right. Like yeah, in your head, right, you're like, the, I'm, right. I'm over it. <clears throat> but so, so we had to do something. And so we have a whole generation of men that haven't had any, any benefits, any programming. You know, the pre-93 guys. That's right. So, I mean – you know, and I know this podcast isn't about that, but I mean, if you look at the guys who plays in the seventies and their pensions, a guy who played five years in the seventies versus the guy who played, you know, six years in, you know, from I played in the nineties and then into two thousand to the guy who played six years now. Oh yes, the pension vast difference, right? So we, I mean, yeah. I'm all for them trying to bolster those guys' pen, pensions. Absolutely, it just seems to me like a no brainer. But now that we know. It's like the concussion thing. Man, we didn't know. Didn't know what we didn't know. Exactly right. But now that we know, it would be shame on us if we didn't be proactive. And bring them into the program. Right. And, and do just your best to take care of them. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. So you mentioned earlier, you were talking about, and I thought this was really interesting, is that 
you were finding a lot of success post-career, but you didn't want anybody to know that it was from your current success. Right. You wanted everybody to think <laughs> yeah. that the lifestyle you were living was based on your NFL career. I think yeah. that's just, it's fascinating. No, it's sad. It, it, yeah, <laughs> but it's just, I mean, that's just, that's the brain. That's, I yeah. mean, that's how it works. I guess the question is, do you find different struggles with different levels of service time, say one to two years, two to whatever, yeah. and then further? And then do you also find differences and struggles in the amount of money that guys made during their Without career? question. Different, but it doesn't. So if you had the career that the, – if you had the NFL experience that most guys want, the seven to ten years – you got the second contract. Yes. You're leaving the game with five to ten to fifteen million in your bucket. That most guys would say, that's what I want, right? That's what success Absolutely. looks like. Those guys still have an intense transition. And it may not be based on the bank account, although it still may be, because what I've noticed is if you've made a lot of money or a little money. It's not about what you make. It's about what you keep. Exactly. And so this guy, the only difference between the debt they're in is a zero, right, at the end of it. So he, because that's what he had and that's what he had. But so if you don't, if you don't manage the, the wealth correctly, then you're still in the same spot and even worse. And I've dealt with guys where, you know, got all of that and it's all gone. And that, that's difficult. Oh, that's but, brutal. But I will say because you had it, you right. were tasting it. You just and how are you going to ever didn't get navigate that? it properly? Yeah, and what we what the NFL doesn't have, we don't have any John Travolta's. And and what I mean by that is, if you remember, if you're old enough, like John Travolta was the biggest thing in the world in Greece, right? And then he like fell off the planet, like nobody knew. And then 20 years later, he shows up in Pulp Fiction, and he's a superhero again. We don't have that. You can't do that, right? You're not so, coming back to right. play running back anytime soon. No, even though the pay's gone through the roof, right? Like, I mean, who wouldn't want? I listen. You can do whatever. I'm gonna play one series, hook me up <laughs> with veteran minimum, one game. It's all good. I'll take it, right? But so, but yes, to answer your question, I've noticed that guys that played one year, one to two years, they're very ready to jump in to the next uh, experience. They want to do job shadows. They want to do. They want to interview. They want because it, it never quite happened. Okay. Right. When you get to the guy that's three, four, three to six years played, maybe played out the first contract, didn't get that second contract, or didn't, then you see a lot, a lot of those guys, and and still the one, one two, trying to hold on, and so you'll see a guy that's been out of the league for one, two, maybe three years that hasn't done anything but work out and still try to get back in the league because it is Oz. It is the promised land. And isn't it one of those like really interesting conundrums for, I think, specifically that group of guys who made enough money, not necessarily to not work forever, but mm -hmm. to go a pretty good amount of time. And if they kind of reduce the lifestyle, they could potentially go forever. Isn't it one of those interesting conundrums that's like, thinking about how to handle that guy's transition may be different than the guy who played 10 years, saved his money, certainly have a rough transition ahead because the identity is probably further ingrained in that guy than it is in the guy who played two to six, two to seven years or whatever. But that guy's made like enough money to make it so going back to work may not be worth the time. Mm -hmm. What do you recommend to guys that have, say, made – 
I don't know, a, g- a good clip of money. They could survive. But then going back to work and starting over at forty, fifty, sixty thousand $60,000, they're going, I can sit on my investments and make that. It's not really worth it. Do you recommend powering through? Like, how do you get guys to reframe the way they're looking at money? Yeah. So I think the first step, all guys, all of them, we as human beings have the – it's in our nature where if I made 10, I wanted 11. Of course. And we don't look at the people behind us. I think say, that's humans. Right. That's what I mean, humans. Like we don't look behind us and say, man, I'm so blessed. We look at Bill Gates and we look at – and we go, man, I just, if I can get to there, if I can get to there, if I can – so what I try to do – and you'll be in, in the audience, of course, but – when we do the financial piece, before I let our financial pro come up, I go up first because we have to have that conversation about downsizing. Oh, yeah. Because downsizing is not defeat. Downsizing is responsibility. Oh, that's great. And we have to have that. Because and, and, and downsizing I, also, and I've, ta- I've thought about this my entire career, and this was something I was really mindful of because it's easy to go up. And, and be in a better room and mm-hmm. have, drive a better car and get better experiences and stay in cool hotels. It ain't easy to go down. Like, going down's hard. But we ha- and that's but I like why how you're, you're reworking the wordage right. to it's responsible. It is. Downsizing is responsible. Because you, you want to take care of your kids. You want to take care of your family. You want to take care of yourself. Then now is the time to live beneath your means. That's what wealth means. And so... Whatever you have, the, 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 if that money that you have in the bank says it's going to make you a hundred grand a year, well, then you better live on eighty, right? Yes. And if not, then let's talk about what we need to do to get you more. And that's why it's really important for our guys with significant others. It has to be; they both have to buy in. You can't have one person transition without the other. That's right. And so, when you talked about the guy who maybe leaves with forty million in his bucket, the number one place that we have to have the conversation is with what are you going to fill? See, in some ways, that guy's in more danger because what are you going to fill your time with? What are you going to, where are you going to seek purpose and, and that adrenaline? That For the guy who has to work, he have to. You have to. Right, have There's to. There's a difference between right. needs and wants. Right. Right, I could want anything, but most likely when it gets tough, I'm going to stop. But right. if I need something, yeah. like if my kid's 26.2 miles away, I've never ran a marathon in my life. You're going to run. Right. I, don't, I, ain't, I ain't trained up. If he right. calls and I don't have a car and I can't get, I'm going to find a way to get there because no I question. need to get there. That's right. So that's kind of the difference. Like that's And that's what you were talking about with those one to two year guys. Right. They need to get back to work. So right. they're kind of eager to get into the system right and some of the other guys and if you played a while i tell them take your time breathe okay you know breathe there's no reason to jump into anything and don't ever use the money that you've made to jump into anything you work too hard for that that's got to go here and then if you want to open up this or do that there's ways to do that where we're not putting this you know the pot in jeopardy don't leverage your financial yes NFL earnings Correct. for something that's right. prospective. Especially if you don't if you're not all in. So like for instance, if a guy to me I'm thinking about opening a franchise on you can name it anyone you Anything. want. Anything. Burger King, Jersey Mike's, whatever it is. Yeah, juice bar, whatever. The first thing you do is you job shadow it three months. Let us set you up with somebody. Get up every day. See what it's like. Mm-hmm. Live the lifestyle. Don't put a dime in there. Like Work the register, 
take out the garbage, do it all. And you may say, uh, I don't want to do this. And you haven't lost anything but time. And, and if you, right, and you That's haven't it. lost the money. But you get to sample it. Right. Because yeah. things aren't from on the inside what they appear from the outside. Right. Right. So you never know if you're really going to like something until you get your elbows dirty and start right. digging around. Right. And, and I also think the, the big piece with that guy you were talking about, you know, the 10 year, whatever, is relationships. It's very, very intense because you've been away for a long, you've had a 10 year cycle of what life looks like. And I'll tell you a story that he, he shares publicly. So I'm not, is, uh, you know, Chad Pennington has a, the best story about when and he Chad's was a transition coach also. Yeah. He's Correct, been, yeah. he's, he's, he was trained as a transition coach and now he works as uh, the executive director of the legends community. So he'll be here this weekend and he'll be on one awesome. of the panels. And, but he, he tells a story about like, I mean, he, and he's the greatest, funniest guy in the world. I love him to death. He, you know, he's, he's commands, he's the quarterback. He's the general. He's, he's in coming charge. into the huddle, and the center goes, "Give him your eyes," and right. he calls the play, and then and everybody claps together. And he's the and commander. He's the commander. But then he's done, and then he goes home. And you know, his wife's name is Robin, and he tells the story about where he's just starting to tell Robin how to run. He's like, "Run in the huddle, right? Come here, boys. Come here. We're going to do this. We're going to do that." And she's like, "Whoa, hey!" For ten years, for twelve years, whatever it was, right? We we got this. Well, I, man, I want to jump and I want to help. What do you What do you need me to do? She's like, take out the garbage. <laughs> well, wait a second, right? Wait, um, wait. You know who I? You know who I am? Like, yes. Yeah, but see, that's that's awesome, and that and and we that story. I love it so much, and he tells it so well because part of what this program is 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 these shared experiences to let guys know you're not alone. Everybody's going through the exact right. same thing, yeah. right? And I, so that was no one's th- above taking out the garbage. No one is like no one is above any of that. And we have to have the conversation with our significant others about what are the new boundaries. Okay, what are the new boundaries pro- as it relates to roles in the marriage? Okay, right? As they're like, I mean, so now some guys may leave, and their significant other is is the number one breadwinner right now. Right. Over the years, like you're done, but now she may be doing this. She may be a manager here, a director here, a lawyer here. A ju- so you've she has supported you. Now. And that's gotta be intense. Right. So for for a guy who was running the huddle, right, as Chad Pennington was, but, to but come in and now his wife's bringing in the bread. No, well, but in that situation that wasn't the situation for them. Right. But, but it, she was running the house. Yes. But we have but other those, guys that come right. in and their wife's a lawyer or something right. and bring so in or whatever. How do is. we get in a different role? How do we spend our time? Um because now that we're here, right now if I'm if I haven't been there for ten years and I'm there every day it's going to, there's going to be friction. Oh, gosh, yeah. And we come from a background, and I've noticed this a lot. This is a huge thing I've noticed. I noticed it in myself, too, so I'm putting myself in the same bucket, but a lot of guys talk to me about it is we come from a background where we're microanalyzed, right? Where's your foot? Where's your hand? Every six-inch step is important. Everything. That's right. right. Everything. Your hat was just off alignment. Right. We said to put it on the far number, and right. you went slightly to the midline. Right. Look where your hands are. Look where your feet are. Look. We are we are trained to find imperfection. That's right. So we can so, find more efficiency and be correct. technically proficient. That's it. Get the job done. That's it. And so I know. So I'll speak for myself. So when I would go home, right, 
and I go home, let's say my wife, she did the laundry, she fed the dog, she did 27 things, I will walk in and I will see the imperfection. I will see the, th- I will, and oh, we didn't do that. Did you get this done today? Did we do that? Or where are we here? Are we efficient here? Are we, and that comes across many times in a marriage as being critical. We think. Because we're speaking locker room talk. Right. We're trying to be efficient. We're trying to help the program. Right. We're helping you know, the program. I'm, we're trying to get W's hey, out there, right? My teammate, I'm helping right. you out here. And if you would have thought about this, then we could have got that play done. I mean, this was the biggest thing in my marriage. This was the number one thing that I had to overcome with my wife is we got to a place where every word out of my mouth became in, interpreted as critical. Even compliments became critical. Everything became critical because she was seeing it that way because that's what that she way. had heard. Yes. And th- because that's where I started. So even if I was anything, even if, if there was something that needed to happen now, I, they, we, we went through a season where I couldn't even say it. If the house was on fire and I'm like, Hey, I think the house is on fire it, you, because I had, I, it was almost a raw nerve at that point. There was so much critique going on. I've seen that. I do the exact same thing. Even with my kids. kids. Exactly. So I was going to say that. So I'm, it's one of the reasons I'm thankful. I I just, you know, we were talking about, I have a a two and a half year old first child. I I might've destroyed kids (laughs) any earlier because I, I had to notice that in myself and say, boy, this is a great trait when applied rightly out in the world, when it's applied to my writing, when it's applied to this program, when it's applied to speaking, let's be the best we can be. There comes a time in a relationship where you need to empower and embrace the total person, you know, and, and, and actually, I mean, and I mean, I really had to go through a cycle with this. So God, for me, he, he, he reinvented the word love for me. And he said, number one, you got to look for positives. That's what the L stood for. Start there. Start there. Start with the positives. Look for the things to breathe life into your wife and your kids. And by the time I didn't have kids, but, and then the O was overlook the things that are non-essential issues. Right. So, yeah, maybe that the toothbrush could have gone on the holder. Is that are people going to die over that? Is this is this an <laughs> eternal issue? Is anybody's soul hanging in the balance? So let's overlook that. And then V was not just to, to see the positives, but voice them. Voice empowerment, you know, voice appreciation, not with the catch, not with the no. Man, I really appreciate you were trying. Oh, that's the kiss of death. Right. I appreciate you tried to get this done. I mean, and then, and then of course, E is embrace the total person, warts and all. That's what, that's what love Everything. is. That's it. And, and part of it, we just have to accept that you come into the world a lot how you are. And no matter how we want to change you, no matter how much coaches could change our technique and right. our habits and what we did on the field, you can't go out in the real world and just change people. No, people aren't changing. No question. But you, you're not meant to coach your wife. But in that same breath that right. I talk about not changing people, this kind of work takes a massive amount of self-reflection. It's transformative. And, and looking in and being mm-hmm. and using some of the tools that when you were watching the film and going, God, I could have done better there. Even with nobody said anything or saw it, you're like, I could have done something. Mm-hmm. So being critical but not harmful and not beating yourself up i guess yeah no and, and that that's an art too isn't it is because some people can get so self-critical they, they paralyze themselves right but i think but you talked about that 10-year guy that i've talked to them a lot about this issue 
because the longer you play, the more you exist in a culture of coaching. And then you, you're, you, you, fathering and coaching are not the same. And that's that's you know, true. Yeah, <laughs> coaches that, love. That's for, great wisdom that I need to probably listen to. A well, bit because more. right when we're coaching, and and sometimes co- guys tell me I've talked to guys who coach their kids, and they and it's it's hard for them. Right, it's very it's, difficult. Right. I think it's difficult for everybody. Right. I talked to other dads that I coach yeah. little league with, and he's like, I just can't coach my own son. Right. I can coach everybody else, but my right. son, there's that blurred line, right, between yeah. dad and coach. Where yeah. are you? The good thing is, is when you're in that role, you can clearly see what coaching looks like. So when you get home, it, you can clearly make a, a, a differentiation. Like, I'm not here to coach my son, right? I'm here to empower him in the way he was created to be. That's very different than coaching because coaching, you're going to find the mistakes Whereas, like, you know, as a father, we want to breathe life into them. I want to find out where my daughter's gifted, can't wait, and that's what, you know, and people say to me, you know, we're, we're going to have another child, so if you have a son, are you gonna, is he going to play football? And I say, if he wants. <laughs> it's not up to you to decide. Right. And, and, but I think but that's, there's something, too, sometimes as players we look at our family as how they represent us. That's a bad place to be. My kids don't rep, they represent themselves. If anything, I represent them. I have to come out, I have to empower them to be who they were created to be, who, how they're gifted. So it's a totally different mindset. But once you embrace it, as you know, you know this mindset, if you get the right mindset, it's easier to change. That's exactly right. D- tell me about the relationships because I think this is a really important part. I mean, it's like, anything right? right if your partner's not on board we're just not going to have a lot of success roles and responsibilities we talked about that a little bit what, other than that what would be the hardest thing for the spouse to accept or w- what do spouses struggle with the most that's a great question man i'm so glad you said that because the significant other man the first year i did this i i tried to stay out of that room we have we have great people that are that have the programming for the significant others, right? So we have Dr. Rachel Terrell, who is not only the uh, does a TED Talk, the Doctor of Love, and all that, but her husband—that's well, my college teammate's wife. Yeah, yeah, Craig Terrell. Yeah, Craig. Yeah. I was gonna say, but her so she's got it coming. So she runs our whole significant other program. Okay. When I went in that room, and I just a fly on the wall in the back, just it—it it was amazing. The women, the first thing that the significant other was asked to do is introduce themselves. And what I heard was, um, my husband is so-and-so, uh, we played for the Bengals for eight years and her entire introduction and identity was wrapped up in him and what he did. I didn't hear her name. I didn't hear what she liked. I didn't hear where she was from. It was all about her identity as it related to her husband. And so just as much as we feel like we need to kind of get down off this pedestal that the world has put us on. <laughs> that relationship, that has to be reevaluated. Sometimes when, when guys meet their significant other, guys are in, the, they're in this place where they're larger than life. And so sometimes even the significant other can fall in love with that. The idea, the, the, concept, I, the illusion yes. of this. Instead right? of the man, right. the, the idea of. So when that's over and you're staring at each other and going, do I even know you? Yeah. And if so, and if I, do I like you? 
Like Ken says this crazy thing on Friday night. He says, your marriage is over. Now there's two roads, but the marriage you knew as players, as it's it's over. So it's either going to be that you're going to grab onto this next ride, and it's going to be it's it's going to be stronger than ever. Like where like where a broken bone heals is stronger. There's going to be a, some brokenness now that we have to go through, but it can be amazing and even stronger, you know. So and how much do the women themselves have to transition out? I mean, it's, it's, the same as the play. They kind of need a download too, don't right, they? Right, right. That's why on that, so everybody gets the same stuff on Friday night, but on the Saturday morning we separate them. And so we, for our for the players, we have Steve Fitzhugh who comes in and he, he talks about really the masculine identity, the identity of who you are that that's apart from anything you've done. Let's get into like what it looks like to be a dad, a husband, just a, just a brother, like, what does this look like apart from playing? And we have the significant others, and they, they need to talk about how they can reconcile their own personal story within this crazy Oz journey. And that's why, um, I know, Dr. Terrell does that with them. And so and we also have the, the team clinician from the Falcons, Dr. Kenza Gunther. She'll come in and talk to our players about what's going on in your wife's heart, what's going on in your son's heart. These are some things that you, when you hear this, it means that. These are some ways to navigate those conversations. And on the significant other side, we bring in um, Freddie Scott. And what's unique about Freddie is he's a two, like his father played in the NFL, then he played in the NFL. So he has seen transition. So he's been the son watching a transition. Correct. And he had his own transition. Correct. And so he can talk to the significant others about this is what your sons are going through. <laughs> And this is what your husbands are going through. And then we bring them together in the breakouts and we start to have that. Let, let's, let's have these conversations, you know. When do guys need to start thinking about this transition? <laughs> the day they walk in. The day one. It is, the day somebody look, signs you to a team. That's it. It's, 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 no one does. But the reality is, is, is that there's a, a, a saying that begin with the end in mind. You know, how you want this to look on the end. kind of how to build a business. Yeah, is what you should be building into it from the beginning. Okay. You know, that's it. And when guys are entering this phase, where should they start? Entering the transition. Entering the transition phase. I'm six months out. I'm a year out. Oh, yeah. So Where, Where do I start? This is it. The bridge to success. This is the place to start. This is it. For whether you've made, where you got $40 million in your bucket. Okay, so Sunday night we have a networking dinner with tons of Fortune 500 companies, but also, you know, some um, franchises and other things. And we've got the FBI and, and, and NASCAR and Pepsi and Amazon. But if you got $40 million in your bucket, that may not interest you, but Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, all of those things, they're amazing tools for you, your life, your heart, your family, your community, all of that. So this is the, the stop, you know. And as transition coaches, we have guys that were journeymen like myself, and we have Hall of Famers like Mike Haynes. And so however you leave the game, we have a guy that we can, that can lock arms with you that does know what you're going through. And so they and, and knows those unique things you're going to run into, and that's why the coaching is ongoing. How did you find your calling? <laughs> I don't is know. Is this your calling? <laughs> I think this what is, is part your calling? of it. I think it is part of it, but I think it found me. Okay. 
I don't, um, when I left, I was doing real estate, doing some things. And then I began to speak at school. Somebody just asked me to do that. And then I began to love awakening the truth in a person's heart, saying something and seeing the aha moment, right? Awakening their spirit. Then that began to work with, with men in that regard, men through, through churches or men through ministries or men. I've done a lot with the military, went, you know, went overseas, did a lot of cool things. And then I heard about what Troy was starting at the NFL, came in, became a transition coach, and it's grown since then. Just was, was blessed enough to have the vision for what this could be. So five years ago, um, when Charles Way was in charge of player engagement, and I said, this is what I think it should be. So he said, give it a shot. And so here we are now, and, and it's been amazingly successful because we're meeting a need. And there is real life transformation going on. And it feels good seeing other men <laughs> work through something that you may have struggled with, that we all struggle with. Right. And, and, and kind of easing that landing a touch. I think yeah. that's the important part is just easing it because it's going to be brutal. But don't make it falling off of a cliff. Maybe make it coming down a ladder. You know, we, one of the stories I tell at the end the last thing they're going to hear from me. So I speak Friday night, and then I wrap it up on Sunday right before. And I talk about the difference between Superman and Clark Kent, you know. And we we got this thing, right? We all we all want to be Superman. Of course. That's who, in fact, that's who we were. And We were superheroes. Right. In a way. And, in a way. But I so mean, the, that's how kids view the game of football. They're like, these guys are superheroes. Yeah. And, and we got to live it. We, and we get this idea that, oh, now I have to be Clark Kent for the rest of my life. And but the cool thing about Clark Kent is if you shot him, he nothing's going to happen because he was still Superman. Right. Yeah. And so we have to just remind our guys, you're still Superman because whatever it is that took you to get there, man. Like, so we're not trying to create you to be. We're just reminding you of who you already are. You are Superman. You have it in you. Yeah. So you just sometimes gotta find it again. Sometimes you're going to walk in a room and the world's going to think you're Clark Kent. But, you know, underneath you're still Superman. And so we just have to repurpose our skill set. Because I always say, like, look, if God God didn't, I've said this to guys like Peyton Manning. I've said, look, God didn't create you just to be a football player or else you could do it until you're 90. True. This is a season in your life. And now what's next? What is next for Peyton Manning? Whatever he wants. <laughs> he's, he's very talented. I, lo- I, lo- I love watching yeah. him do his yeah. thing. He's hilarious. He's, you know, he he's talented. Yeah. He's really intelligent. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, Great guy. obviously super, yeah. super smart. I mean, you don't become that funny without being really smart, in my yeah. opinion. All right. If there's one message you hope that guys and their families, their significant others receive coming out of this weekend, what is it? That's a great question. I think it's that is to remind them, yeah, that they're Superman, yeah, still they need that, but also that the pride piece, right? Yep. That's just a lie. And so you have to be as confident as Superman and as humble as a baby to do this right. Isn't that the thing? Because... And I used to have a coach, and I'm not going to divulge his name here, but he used to talk about when we would come in the room, 
he would say, we all have egos. We all have to have a good ego to right. be, to even want to be in this room, to want to impose your will over another man. That's an ego play. Right. You have to believe that. Yes. You right. really have to buy into the story that you're selling yourself to get out on that field and want to fight some dude for three hours and then not only want to fight him but want to bury him in the ground and right. kind of give the who's your daddy type deal, right? So that's a, a massive ego play and then – I think a lot of it is finding ways to shed that ego. And you talk about being humble and having humility and understanding that you do have Superman in you, but it doesn't also have to be accompanied with whatever ego is associated with that. And it's part, that's of, right. part of putting it down. I it think is. That's a, and that's a really, really hard thing to do. Well, it's, but it's so necessary. It because is. Because pride can't learn. And so. Oh, wow. You know, like if you're if you're prideful, you're always going to find a reason why somebody's wrong instead of a reason to get better. Right. And so. We have to be humble, we have to humble ourselves to be able to learn from life. And I'm telling you, it's it's such a great lesson. When I first started working in the NFL, because I when I was done playing then I said I went speaking and did all so this whole that all these Excel spreadsheets, PowerPoints, all this stuff, not a clue. And I'm getting into this job and I'm like, you want me to track invoices and all this stuff? <laughs> and so I had to find somebody and say just say, Hey, I don't know how to do this. Can you show me? I need help. I need help. Right. Yes. And and I found mentors. One mentored me as a man, the other mentored me in this job, and I also found folks and I would and I think by coming in and saying, this I, I can crush, this you have to show me. and Because I don't, I don't know and this. And being honest with that. Right. And being honest with that. yourself and yeah. being honest with everybody else. Because in, in the NFL, you can't hide your weakness. Oh, if, no. If you can't catch, if you can't do this, it's there. And so if you, you have to. If you can't stop a bull rush, they will bull rush right. you until you either figure out how to it's stop on it film. or you're on the bench. Right. So you have to embrace it. Right. We embrace the suck. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. And get better. And so these are things that we have to learn. Yeah. Keith, that was awesome. <laughs> it's okay, a lot I, of fun. I learned a lot right here. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure, and, man. And keep up the fantastic work you're doing with all of our, our players, our cohort, all of it. I'm, I'm just so pleased that the NFL has come now to the place where we have programs like this to, yeah. to recognize and honor the struggle. And I am extremely thankful to the NFL for doing it because this, for the league, this is a cost deficit. They don't have to do this. Right. And I just think it's awesome that they do. And, and guys have to, guys have to get it out of their head that the league is the enemy. Well, I think it's I, just one of those yeah. things, right. Where you kind of come in and you're working with the union and everything right. the league says is like, Oh, that's wrong. Right, wrong. Right. It's like the league said it, it's wrong. They're working against us. Like, no, no, no. We're all trying to make as much money as we possibly can and keep this game going as long as we can. Right. So we can all thrive because yeah. when you thrive, we thrive. That's it. So I think, especially when you're talking about, former players what we call our legends you know we're on the same side yes yeah awesome thank you keith my pleasure all right gang if you made it this far you must have been really into this one i was too sitting there listening having that great conversation with keith so some big takeaways came from this early on keith said we have to embrace the fact that from change comes growth and from growth really comes life 
isn't that the truth? Change is hard, man. If you've ever gone through it, you understand it. It's tumultuous. But through those moments of change, we're forced to adapt and grow and learn so we can survive in a new environment with a new set of circumstances and maybe even new rules. I love the conversation that started with him talking about NFL players that have come out of a career that very few people have done in their lives and still being unsatisfied. But this isn't just the Jedis of the world that Keith was talking about. This is all of us. I think it's really easy to compare ourselves to others, especially with the outlet of social media. It helps us do this. It allows us to do this. As I say help, it's probably more of a hindrance. I think it's super detrimental to our mental health overall. We aren't in competition with every other human on the planet, although a lot of us, and you listen to this podcast, probably are a competitive person. Think about this, though. We're really in competition to see how far we can get from where we started in life, not where other people may have started. It's an easy way to do this, I think. As I've been going back through Teddy's turning six soon, Hudson's turning eight, we're going back through to the beginning of their life and watching their videos on Instagram or the ones that we have saved on our phone. It's like, oh my goodness gracious, give these kids a break. Look where they started, Nick. Be gentle. We can do the same thing with ourselves. Go back, look at some old pictures of video of yourself as a child and see yourself at that age and imagine where you were and where you came from and what you dreamt at that point in time. And now look at where you are now. Look how far you've come. And would you celebrate your journey, damn it? You've come a long way. Be proud of yourself. Some of the marriage advice that Keith gave us through his own experience in marriage was incredibly powerful. I found myself in that same boat as most of these guys. And it's one of my great challenges too, we were groomed in the league in college ball to overanalyze every section, step, punch, call, emotion, all of it. By doing that, we could, on the football field or the soccer pitch or wherever you were, we could incrementally get better at our job. That was a great path to do that. While football and sports, a lot of times we say they're a microcosm of life, they aren't family. They aren't relationships. So being open, honest, and fair is different than being critical and nitpicky and, frankly, just an ass. And I have to remind myself at times that silence and abstaining from a comment that I want to make to Jamie or the boys is really a great practice in discipline and could ultimately, in the long run, be more beneficial to our family success and our relationships that we're trying to maintain than getting that tiny little behavior that bothers me ironed out. Isn't that funny? It's it's not a them problem. It's a me problem. So think about that for a little bit. And lastly, how about this one? Pride is a lie. When Keith said that, I this was the moment that I was saying at the beginning of the podcast. Listen for the, listen for the moment that blows me away. Pride is a lie. You've got to be as confident as Superman and as humble as a baby to do this thing right. And then he went on, pride can't learn. If you're prideful, you're always going to find a reason why somebody is wrong instead of a reason to get better yourself. We've got to humble ourselves to be able to learn from life. I'm going to let that one just sit there. That is good stuff. Guys, thank you again for the time. Here's to your health. Here's to your fulfillment. All the best. Bye-bye. 